0: I, 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 this whole month, we're talking about this idea of forgiveness. Okay, so we got this is week two of forgiveness. Um, we got a couple weeks left. I will not be here the fourth week. I'll be in Colorado, hanging out with, with Pastor John and a bunch of other youth pastors all around the country. Uh, just spending a whole weekend in prayer. Uh, it's, it's it's pretty awesome. I'm excited for that. So to kind of catch us up, if you if you weren't here last week, we talked about the idea of forgiveness. And I posed to you this question of, why, why does God forgive us? That, that's really important. And I talked about how God, he just, he loves us. He forgives us not because uh, he has to, or that's the rules of higher powers, and that's the rules God, no. He does it because he loves us. There's nothing you could do to make him love you more. There's nothing you could do to make him love you less. He simply loves us. That's a big deal. And then I talked about how, man, he just desires us. He, he, he wants to. Like he really, 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 really wants to. And then we talked about how he wants to reconcile that relationship. And we had that example of you and a friend at the beginning of the year who aren't friends anymore. That's it. You don't talk. That relationship's broken. And we talked about how God wants to reconcile that relationship. And we talked about how this forgiveness that God gives us is, is incredible. And, and you know if you've received that forgiveness, you, you would know like, there would be no question in your heart whether you've experienced that or not. I mean, you would be radically different, and you would get all crazy. I, last week, I got excited just talking about his forgiveness. The more I talked about it, the more I got excited about it. And I was jumping up and down because it was just awesome. And so this week, we're going to kind of dive in uh, to another. This, this Because of God's forgiveness, you know, where do we go from there? And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, tonight. I, I'm wondering here tonight just I, I like asking you guys questions, get a little feedback because I, I, I get the you know the where's he going with this I got a blank stairs to start. And so I want to ask you guys have you ever received something, maybe a gift or, or maybe yeah, like a gift that blew you away? Like you were like it was so big and you didn't expect it. Maybe you didn't deserve it, but maybe a parent or grandparents gave you something and you were just like, why? Is there anyone? Yes. So you got a computer. That's pretty cool. My parents just don't give me computers. Scooter, okay. Blown away with a scooter. do out, but that's all right. What's that? They got you a what? A nook. What's a nook? Like like a Kindle, but different. Okay, sorry. I don't think that. Hey, that's I just didn't know. I didn't know. Sorry. What else? Yeah. You got a phone, and you didn't expect it, and so okay. Dirt race bike. Just gave it to you. It's like, hey man, I'm not using it. Go ahead, knock yourself out. Play in the street. It's like, How old were you? Eleven, Brian with a eleven with a dirt bike, just going crazy. A couple stories of things I've got. Over the past couple years, I've been very privileged to to receive some pretty big gifts. Uh, Most of you, all of you, have not gone through uh, your own shower. You guys know what a shower though is, right? Whether either it's a baby shower or a wedding shower, you, I struggled with this, like. I knew, okay, I'm getting married it was a couple of years ago, and so we're going to throw a party for everyone to come and give me stuff. Like, that's that's weird. Like, to me, I, like I, you know, girls go to showers all the time, but as a guy, I struggle with that. And I, I remember going to the shower, and we both have pretty big families and, and uh, a lot of people that really just wanted to bless us. And in the wedding shower, we probably got... I mean, anywhere between five thousand and ten thousand dollars worth of stuff. I mean, it was incredible, and and I and I, I felt like guilty as a Christian. I accumulated more stuff in one hour than most people would ever accumulate in in, a, in an entire life. If you're talking about people in other countries, and man, I just I struggled with that, like it. It was this gift that, man, I don't deserve all this stuff. Why are all these people buying me waffle makers and toasters and microwaves? I mean, we didn't buy anything for the house, really. Everything we got was, we bought a mattress and a couch, and that was was on a TV. Uh, And that's pretty much it, but every single thing else, people gave to us. And it was really hard for me to express gratitude because when you go to a shower, you... You sit up there and like there's just like this pile of presents. It's really awkward, like and like so you pick one and you open it and it was really hard for me to like convey my thankfulness. It was really hard for me to to tell each person equally how how excuse me, everyone, please. You got some allergies. Got some allergies going on. So it was really hard for me to. To tell people, like, man, like, genuinely, I am so thankful. Like, what was I supposed to do? Like, I couldn't break down and cry over every gift. It just, uh, that wasn't my personality. And gift after gift came, and I, man, I, I, I told them, I, I said, I don't know how to put it into words. I'm I so thankful for all of your generosity, and thank you guys so much. And I just felt like there was no way I could be sincere enough. To, to thank you. Same thing happened with the baby shower. I'll tell you the truth. Me and Julie have not bought Jack's one thing. We haven't spent a dollar on Jack's because you guys and the church and our family is ridiculously generous. I mean, it was insane. We had two showers for this baby. He's got like 13 pacifiers and seven blankies, and he's got so much stuff. It's out of control. And Same thing happened though. I was just so I can't really express how thankful I am. You know, and and I remember doing the first time, and I got smarter, the first time we did we did thank you cards. You know, you get some thank you cards when it's like, thank you for the gift, you mean so much to me, and that's it. But I was like, no. I gotta tell everyone how thankful I am. I gotta write like at least a page. I gotta tell them what they mean to me and be real personal. (laughs) And, like, halfway through, I'm like, this is the worst. It took me just ever. My Julia's thank yous were done in, like, a week. Mine went, like, six months. Every week I'd do two, and I just couldn't, couldn't do it. I got smarter um, when we did the baby shower. We just did these, like, you, you know what? They don't, they don't want a thank you for me. They want pictures of the baby. So we just sent out these, these, like, generic thank yous that were all the same in these cards. But the, the thing is, it's really, really hard for a, at least me, if you're anything, like, it's really hard for me to show gratitude, to show kind of like thank you, and to be genuine with it. There was another time, and this was probably four or five years ago. I was interning under John McDonald, and, and back then, like I paid the church to work, and so I was paying him to to, to to help him and to preach. And it may sound crazy, but it was actually you know a great opportunity for me, and I would do it again. Um, but somebody, I think, you know, at the time I was. I was working, I was trying to get married, I had no money, and uh, I was working real hard, and was, all my money was going to school, and somebody gave me $2,000. And to this day, I have no idea who it is, it could be a volunteer in this room, I don't know. And I just remember, like, I struggle with not knowing because John told me about it, he says, yeah, someone's giving you $2,000, and I was like, that's a lot of money. I'm like, who's just got that kind of money just to give to somebody? And I, and I struggled because... I didn't know who it was. I still don't know. And I couldn't, th- I'm like, I can't take this and not thank this person. Like, I really need to tell them that, man, I hope I do, like, I got pressure, on I hope I get good grades because now, like, this is a big deal. And I needed to do something to thank them, but I, I couldn't. And this last other example, I guess, in my life of, of thanking people is, you guys get, like, birthday presents and Christmas gifts, Right? I hate, like, I love, I don't should say hate Christmas, but it was always hard, again, it was just hard for me to thank people. And every time, you know, my mom would go crazy and get us all these gifts, and I would kind of prepare in advance, like, okay, you're going to, not because I, I was totally sincere and genuine in the thinking, it was just hard to show it, like, you know, Mom, I'm so thankful that you got me these clothes or this underwear. Like, I am thankful. i just really hard to show my gratitude, and I think... I think that kind of correlates with a lot of Christians because you think of Christmas, like I knew the gift was coming. I knew every year I'm going to get it. I'm not blown away. You know, I guess at times maybe this is something I didn't expect. But my mom usually would like pick my gifts. There were things that I needed. And I would kind of pick what I wanted and I would be so thankful. But I think like what, because I knew it was coming, it was hard for me to react and, and tell my mother exactly how thankful I was. And I think the same thing is, is true of Christians. Those of us who've grown up in church, we, we've heard about God's forgiveness our whole lives. And so when we finally experience God's forgiveness, we're like, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I've heard about it those all times. I knew it was here. But you contrast to someone who's a brand new Christian, you're like, oh man, this is incredible. do why haven't you told me about this? This forgiveness thing is awesome. We're whole life. I mean it. And it, like their reaction is totally different. And tonight what I want to do is I want to pose the question, how should we respond to God's forgiveness? Okay, because like I said, last week, we we man, I got excited. I jumped up and down and told you about his forgiveness. I told you it's because God loves you and there's nothing you can do to, to, to have him not forgive you. God's forgiveness is the like this most incredible gift. It's as if we are—we owe this insurmountable debt. Like we owe, like we can't pay it back. Millions and millions of dollars, and, and if we don't pay it, we, we die and go to hell. But God says, "Hey, I'll pay it, and I'm going to give you this gift of salvation." And so, how do we respond to that? How do we correctly respond to God's uh, forgiveness? And so, we're going to be looking at an example in Scripture of of the right way to do that. And and, and like many things, there's a wrong way, there's a right way. There's there's the incorrect way, and there's the way we should respond. And we're going to look at two different people and the way they respond to God. And, and, And the ironic thing about the passage I'm going to share is that the religious person, the person who keeps all the rules and does everything right, does it the wrong way. And the person who's labeled a sinner and... Kind of a social outcast does it the right way. Okay, and so if you guys are following with me, we're gonna kind of dive in uh, tonight. I want you guys to, to bust out Luke 7, starting at verse 36. So if you guys brought your Bible, Luke 7, and just as a reminder, in a couple weeks we're gonna be going into our 40 days in the word series. So we got a couple more on forgiveness. We're gonna be talking about the word, and so the Bible is gonna be. Not just a, hey, good idea for church, but a, you're going to need it. And so make sure you guys are bringing that. And we're going we're gonna to get, get in right here. I'm going to read this section of scripture. I am going to set it up, tell you everything I know about what's going on at that time so that you guys can understand what's happening. And then I want to pull a couple things that we, we can learn out of this, this scripture, okay? So Luke 7, verse 36 says this, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. I like dinner, I'd go. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. He kind of put his feet up, relaxed, did his thing. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an uh, an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, he's thinking to himself, If this man were a prophet, speaking of Jesus, he wouldn't know that the person touching him, what kind of woman she is, and that she is a sinner. And at this very moment, Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to tell you. He says, tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, another 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. for, for she loved much, but he who has forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And so it's kind of a long passage. And basically, I want to I want to take a few moments to discuss what's going on. I want you guys to, to track with me here. I want you to begin to create a mental picture in your head. In my head, I have an idea of what the house looks like. I have an idea of the table Jesus is sitting at. I have an idea of what Simon the Pharisee looks like, I want you to get that in your head. And so I know many of you have been in church a long time. You may have heard this story. You may know what's going on. Some of you are pretty new to church. And so I'm going to kind of explain it on a basic level. Okay? So the first thing is you have this Pharisee. Okay? So you say, what in the world is a Pharisee? A Pharisee is this, at the time, this sect of religious people, one of these religious elite. And they, they had some certain beliefs. They believed that uh, the Messiah was coming. They believed that uh, there was an afterlife, they believed that um, uh, the main thing that set them apart is they believed that they had to completely and strictly obey every single law. I mean, like to the letter of the law, they obeyed it. So if they lived nowadays, if Jesus said drive 25 miles an hour, they drove 24. I mean, they did not break any laws. They thought if they kept the law perfectly, then that would kind of provoke Jesus to come. That's who these people were. And these people were at odds with Jesus. I mean, Jesus was teaching something that, you know, the law is good, but the heart matters. You can keep all the laws on the outside, but if your heart's messed up, then, then you're, you're wrong. You, you are more of a sinner than other people. And so this Pharisee, at this time, the whole group of these guys are really at odds with Jesus. So it's kind of a big deal that Jesus, Jesus even said, like, hey, I'll go eat dinner with you. So it's almost kind of like this Pharisee is inviting Jesus to dinner so that he can kind of question him, kind of get an idea of who this guy was because he's teaching something so different than what he had known. And so you have this Pharisee, he's at this person's house, he was a little bit wealthy, he was well off. This is the setting for where Jesus is. Then you have the sinner. Bible makes no mention of who it is. It's just this anonymous person we know that's a woman. Some people speculate that it might have been Mary Magdalene, and kind of uh, there's some more talked about her. But at any rate, it's this person that you know is different. And as you read the story, it's kind of weird. You know, you might think it's kind of weird that a random person just walks into a dinner and starts kissing Jesus's feet. And if, if you you know put yourself in a situation, you get over- invited for dinner, and a stranger comes in, that's kind of weird. But in that day, it was kind of custom for a needy person. They were permitted to kind of come into these dinners, and they would partake in kind of leftovers. So it really wasn't as weird back then as it would be uh, today. Today, if a stranger comes in, you're like, whoa, call the police. This isn't cool. You know, and we've got to do something about this. You're going to you know, lock your house and, and kick them out, okay? And then it's also kind of an understanding that when a rabbi or a teacher would come to one of these dinners... People were expected to kind of come around. You know, a rabbi or Jesus was, well, known, So it was kind of common for people to want to be and kind of come in the house and see what was, what was going on. So it's not that weird that you have this random girl coming, coming in. So, okay, so I've explained the Pharisee. I've explained the sinner in the story. But if you were listening, there's some other weird stuff that's going on, Okay and you got this foot washing thing, okay? And you may be thinking to yourself, like, what? That's weird. You know, because if I read that story, and, and I look at it, and someone's washing my feet, I mean, that's, that's weird. We don't, we don't do that in 2012. Someone touches my feet, I'm going to kick them. Stop. That's, you're crazy. You got a little you know, foot thing going on, and I don't like that. It's not cool, all right? But back then, it was common practice before the invention of asphalt and concrete, People would routinely walk on dirt roads. They would wear sandals, and their feet would get filthy. Much like how many you ever been camping, and you know you're wearing sandals outside all the time, and you know you do one of these, and you look, and your feet are just gross. Like they're black in the bottom. You guys ever do that? So it's kind of like that, and that was common. And so it was common practice for people uh, or when they, when you invited people to a house, you would offer them water in a basin. And it was common practice for you to have a servant or someone wash someone's feet before you came in. That was kind of what they did. much like if I had a dinner guest over, I would take their coat. I would offer them a drink. I would show them where the bathroom was. These are the kind of the common courtesies that you offer someone. If I didn't take their coat, if I didn't offer them to, to you know, a drink and that thing, it would be rude of me. It would, be, it would be very rude. And so the Pharisee doesn't offer this to Jesus as kind of rude. And you see this woman washing Jesus' feet. But the the interesting thing about this is that it it gets kind of awkward where she's not just washing his feet normally in a basin, but she's weeping at Jesus' feet. And and the Bible says that she's washing his feet with her tears. Again, that's kind of weird. And then she's washing it with her hair. And that's kind of weird. And, and, and the way they ate back then was, oh, what's the word, uh, I have not written down, a div- divan. That's kind of like the couch where it's really low and you would sit and lay, kind of, and you, you know, your heads and elbows would be at the, at the table. And so it's not like this girl is like underneath a tablecloth and you can't see her and she's doing stuff to Jesus' feet. But this is wide right out in the open. He's laying down and you can see what she's doing. Okay? And this is what's going on. And when I first started reading this passage, I first started studying it, I'll admit, I, I, I kind of was taken aback. I said, "Like This doesn't sound like something Jesus would do. Like, you, you read about Jesus, and Jesus was humble. Jesus was a servant. Later on in Scripture, Jesus has a similar uh, thing going on where he says, he, he in turn washes his disciples' feet. And his disciple Peter says, hey Jesus, no, 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 you're, you're, you're God, uh, you don't wash my feet, I'm going to wash your feet. And Jesus says, no, you're not going to wash your feet. If you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. And so I'm reading this passage and I'm thinking, this is really weird that Jesus is letting this woman cry and wash her feet with her hair. And it's kind of, I'm sure it would be a little bit degrading. and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't feel very Jesus-like. And I began to, to think about it, in and, and, and scripture, you know, when Jesus does anything, when he says anything, man, he's teaching. Everything recorded, he's, he's teaching something. And when he was washing the feet of the disciples, he was teaching them. He was teaching them how to be a servant, how to serve. This was a totally different thing. And I began to understand, Jesus got that this woman knew who Jesus was. She got, she understood who Jesus was, what Jesus was doing. And I think because he wanted to teach you, he wanted to teach me, he wanted to teach this Pharisee, this religious person a lesson, he allowed this woman to wash his feet. I mean, who, who, who was he to say, this woman wants to worship me, God. She knows who I am. Who am I to stop her? She, what she's doing is right. And tonight, just as God had a purpose for letting her do that, she wanted to teach. I think this woman can teach us some things about the way we respond to God. See, as you read the commentaries of this passage of Scripture, it becomes pretty clear, it becomes pretty evident that this woman didn't just barge into the house and start trying to get God to love her and forgive her. She wasn't washing Jesus' feet because she wanted him to forgive her. It's pretty clear that this woman had already encountered Jesus and this was a response to what he has done in her life. She knows who Jesus is. Jesus has already given her that forgiveness. He's already accepted that forgiveness and this sinner understands and this is her response. And so tonight if you're taking notes, there's kind of three things that I, I pulled from this story as as you see this woman going before Jesus, bowing herself, humbling herself, washing feet, not only washing feet in a basin, but she, there's no water. The, 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 the regular person kind of said, ah, Jesus, I, I, I'm going to kind of shabbily treat you and I'm not gonna give you water. And so she comes and she, she does this. And this whole story has got these contrasts in it. It's just this, this contrast between the Pharisee and, and the woman. And you see some of these contrasts, you see this righteous person reprimanded. You see Jesus kind of tell this righteous person you're wrong. While the sinner in this story is forgiven. You see, you see, it's funny. Simon judges Jesus for not being a prophet enough. He's like, surely you're not a prophet. You don't even know that this woman is a sinner. You don't even know that the person touching you is dirty. All the while, Jesus is saying, your heart, Simon, is a little screwed up. The one who has plenty, has all this wealth, wouldn't spare water, but the person who has low reputation as a sinner spares her perfume. You got Jesus shabbily treated by the host and lavishly treated by the intruder. You have the person who's unwelcome. Yet this person give us a picture of what it means and how we should respond correctly to Jesus. And so I want to go back to these verses. I want to talk about them each for a second where Jesus takes Simon and he says, Look, dude, this is where you screwed up. This is how you can learn from the sinner. He says this in verse 44. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. person who gets it, man, she says, I'll serve you, God. I will serve you. And if you're taking notes, that's the correct way to respond to what Jesus has done in your life. When Jesus forgives you, oh, we respond, we serve Him. We bow down, we wash His feet. And this may be a little bit different than the message you heard last week, because last week I said, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make Him love you less. Yes, that's correct. I'm not saying that all of a sudden you were to work for God's forgiveness. And, and you may be saying, "Well, oh, I thought God's forgiveness was free. Now you're telling me I have to work? No. What I'm saying is that we should willingly serve God as a response to His forgiveness. The woman's love for God, what she was doing was the result of not the reason for her forgiveness. She didn't go to God and say, Hey, let me do these things so that you forgive me. No, he was going to God and saying, God, you've done these things in my life. This is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to wash your feet. I will serve you. Willingly. You know what the opposite of serving willingly is? Slavery. That's the opposite of serving willingly. And that's not what God... Is all about, and the first way we respond to God is that we serve Him. We don't say, "God, forgive me of my sins." Oh, that was awesome! Thanks, and walk away. No, 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 no! That's not what we do. That's not how we respond. If if I got up in the shower and said, "Hey, thanks for all the stuff," and never sent a thank you card, never said, "Man, I don't know how to tell you guys thank you," that's rude. That's not the right way to do things. God forgives us of our sin and our only way we can respond is to say, God, our life is yours. The debt that you paid for me, I want to serve you. And I want to ask you guys tonight, if you're someone who's received God's forgiveness, how have you shown Him gratitude? Have you been selfish with your time? Have you kind of Keep to yourself, or are you the kind of person who says, "Well, these are my gifts, these are my talents, these are how I, this, God, this is how I can serve you, God, this is how I can wash your feet, and that's the least I could do for what you've done for me." Think about it. Have you found opportunities to serve in church? Have you found opportunities to serve in children's ministry? Have you found opportunities to go to Hope Center? Have you found opportunities to? to get involved in Frontline and say, God, because of what you've done in, in my life, I want to practically live out my faith and every week. Or do you sit back and say, hey, God, thanks for the forgiveness. That was real nice of you. I'm going to do my own thing. If I ever need it again, I'll come back. But you won't hear from me again until I need it. Don't be like the Pharisee who says, God, Jesus, you can come into my house, but kind of you're on your own. Be like the woman who says, God, I want to wash you. I want to serve you. That's the appropriate response to God's forgiveness. Verse 45, she says this. Jesus says to Simon, "says you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't even greet me. That's like saying, you know, when you come into a house, you give someone a hug, I'm glad to see you. Simon didn't even do that. I don't really care much about you, Jesus. You can come in and eat my dinner and kind of be a part of what's going on. But I'm not going to show you any affection. I'm not going to show you any any gratitude towards you. I'm not going to tell you you're worth anything. But Jesus said, this woman, this woman, this sinner, from the time she entered the room, has not stopped. Kissing my feet. And I'll, just be, I'll be honest with you. I was studying for this message. I was reading it, and I read the passage. And I was trying to put myself into the context of the scene of what's going on. And I found myself looking at the woman, and I found myself being the kind of person that was like, that's weird. Kissing your feet over and over again, that's that's kind of disgusting. And I got real convicted. Because the second thing we learn from this woman about how we're to respond about Jesus' forgiveness is that we are to love him openly. What does that mean? What does it mean to love or to worship God openly? What does it mean to worship him? See, a kiss on the cheek said, Hey, thanks for coming. A kiss on the feet? And I'm bowing down. I worship you. And I I felt horrible. I looked at her worship and I was like, that's a little, that's a little much. I don't know. I'm a pastor. I don't know if I'd do that. That's kissing someone's feet, it's Weird. But man, we have to be willing, if we're going to respond to God's forgiveness, to worship him openly. I mean, c- consider for a moment the courage it took her to do what she did. She's a complete outsider. She doesn't run around with the Pharisees and the religious people. She's unwelcome. She didn't get an invitation to this house. She's basically an intruder. She's uninvited, unwelcome, yet she comes into this house where she knows she's going to get ridiculed. She knows people are going to look at her and they're going to be like, what is this girl all about? What is wrong with her? Yet she doesn't care. This woman, this sinner, doesn't care who's around, who's looking. She just says, I just want to worship God. I know because of what you've done. Because of the forgiveness you've given me, God, I will bow down at your feet and I will kiss them because you deserve. That is the appropriate response. And today, that's a challenge for us, to openly worship Christ. I've been hearing on the front line Facebook page, the challenge for this week was to bring your Bible just to clash with you. And it's been interesting just to see already, just by, you don't even talk about your faith, just by bringing an object of your faith into a school, people are already experiencing ridicule and judgment and sneers and looks and comments. Are we willing to worship? Are we willing to look like the woman did? Or are we unwilling to do those kinds of things? See, in our postmodern culture, there's kind of a polite way to talk about religion and an impolite way to talk about religion with people. And sadly, the polite way is to not talk about it at all. People don't like talking about religion. And I'll tell you, keep that to yourself. That's good. Religion's fine for you. Don't you dare talk about it with me. Don't ruffle the feathers. Don't tell people they're wrong. Don't begin to bring these conversations up. Don't do it. And that's the culture we live in. But if we learn anything from this woman, it wasn't much different back then. She walks in. I mean, half of us, We have trouble going into a church service and worshiping God, let alone going home and in our friends and family and openly. Openly. We'll get excited. What do we openly get excited about? Sports, you know, our favorite team. We'll, We'll openly get excited about those things. But yet when it comes to Jesus or God, we're like, you know, and we'll listen maybe with our headphones in, but we would never, you know, listen to worship music where other people may be able to hear us. We might, we might find it hard to bring our Bible to school, but that's not the way we should respond to God's forgiveness. See, God forgave you this debt, this, this debt that you couldn't repay, and, and, and that's, why, that's why when you see people worshiping God like crazy, that's why when you see them jumping up and down, and you see people just on their face, and you're like, that's kind of weird. No, it's not. That's the appropriate response to what God has done in their life. And that's someone who gets it. And that's someone who says, God, you've done an amazing work in my life and, and I'm going to kiss your feet. I don't care if it looks weird. I don't care if it's kind of culturally, culturally, culturally abnormal. I don't care. I'm going to openly worship you. I want to remind you of Jesus' words, Matthew ten says, "Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven." Let's have your words. But Jesus basically lays it out to us: acknowledge me, and I will acknowledge you. Don't be ashamed of who I am. Openly worship me. Be like the sinner. Be like the woman who comes in, doesn't care about anybody else, doesn't care what's going on, doesn't care about the cultural norms, but just says, you know what? I'm going <clears> to <throat> openly worship you and I don't care what these people say. Verse, 40, uh, verse 46, Jesus says one last thing to the Pharisee. He says, you did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Jesus says, you didn't pour oil on my head. That was basically like sunblock. I've been traveling, it's been hot out, we live in Israel, it's sunny. You didn't even give me SPF 30. Think about it. Don't worry about it. You, you didn't you didn't give me a basic, a basic need of mine. That's kind of customary. Yet this woman takes this expensive perfume, this commodity, you know, in, a, in an alabaster jar, which is, you know, when you guys buy colognes and perfumes and they're in all these fancy bottles and stuff, all these crazy glass things. I mean, that's what is valuable. And this, this woman pours it on, not his head, his, his feet, Jesus' feet. And what do we learn here? The woman shows us that we should love extravagantly, lavishly. These adjectives that say, it was way too much. Like, hey, there was no need to dump perfume on someone's feet. There was no need to do that. Except for the fact that that's the God of the universe. And there's no such thing as too extravagant or too lavish when you're talking about Jesus. When you're talking about praise, there's no such thing as over the top. No, it's the appropriate response to what God's done in our life. When you get, when you understand, when you think about what God has done in your life and the forgiveness, all of a sudden you look at the perfume being dumped on someone's feet and you say, that sounds about right. And I'm sure there's a couple groups of you guys sitting there tonight. Some of you are thinking to yourself, man, I, I I want to love God like that. I want to see what it would like to give God everything I have to love Him extravagantly. I know it's gonna to be tough, but I think I think if I did that, man, my relationship with him would be so different. My relationship with my friends would be so different. If I could love Jesus like the woman did, that's what I want. I want you so bad. Now, there's other of you who think about, man, I I hear you talk week in and week out about this love, this extravagant love for Jesus, and that's just not me. Maybe you 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 face some kind of anxiety, like Like that would just cost me too much. I would have to change who I am. I would have to change my friends. I would have to change my habits. And I don't know if I'm willing to do all that. And and both responses are completely normal. Both responses are perfectly fine. However, only one of those responses is going to bring honor and glory to God. Is this desire is is kind of missing in your life? If you're saying, you know, Pastor Matt, I want to love God like that, I want to, but I just, I don't know, I just feel dry. I feel I feel empty. I feel like I haven't experienced God's presence like, like I have before. And that's exactly what I want you to do. I want you to think back. Think back about all the times in your life where God has been there. I want you to think back. When were you saved? When did you come to Christ? What were you saved from? How are you different now than you used to be? How has God provided for you? And this one, this is one that always brings me joy. How has God sought after you? As you look back in your spiritual journey, how can you see God wooing you to Himself? How can you see God putting people in your life, and pastors in your life, and messages in your life, and times that where you didn't understand it, but He was actually searching after you and He drew you to Himself? And you can look back and say, "Wow, God, you you love me, you forgive me of my sins." See, if, if the band w- wants to come up, we're going to kind of close in in, in worship. See, this is exactly what what Moses did in the Old Testament. He took the Israelites in a Deuteronomy over a dozen times. He tells the Israelites, remember what God did. Remember what he did. Remember who he's been in your life. Because the Israelites, just like you and me, When God saved him, I'm like, this is awesome. God's forgiveness is so great. And then after a while, we're like, it was good. No big deal. It's like Christmas. I know the presents are coming. I'll I'll be ready to thank God. I kind of, I've already expected it. And it doesn't get us excited. We don't respond the way we should. And Moses tells Jesus, like, no. Remember, you once were a slave. Now you're free. You once had nothing to eat, and I provided for you water. I provided for you manna. You once had nowhere to live and I gave you a promise saying, remember what he's done. And the reason we do that is so that we can appropriately respond to God's forgiveness. See, see last week it it was all about God. It was all about Jesus. It was all about what he does in our lives. I mean, I was excited. I was telling you about his forgiveness. And if you haven't experienced that, you need to ask him for it. And when you experience God's forgiveness, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like the moments I remember it clear as day when I sacrificed everything. I said, God, I don't want to live for you myself. I want to live for you. I remember that. I remember the tears of joy. I remember the weight being lifted off my shoulders. I remember how amazing it was. And the only appropriate response for me to God's forgiveness in my life was to serve him. Was to worship Him, not just in church, openly. I don't care who sees it. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to openly worship Jesus. That's the way we need to respond. I'm going to love him extravagantly. I'm not going to save the best for myself. I'm just going to worship a little bit extravagantly. I'm going to make it look weird. I'm going to give him everything I have. I mean, people, I want, well, I want my love for Jesus. I want people to say, that's weird. If we learn anything from the woman, the sinner, people undoubtedly looked at her and they were like, you're kissing his you're washing it this guy's feet with your hair. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You know what this is? Are you kidding me? I want you guys to stand. We're gonna close with worship because as we talked about the proper response to God's forgiveness, it only makes sense that we respond in worship tonight. It only makes sense that we close in a time of response. And as we do that, remember. Think about what God said. Think about the forgiveness you've received. Think about it. When you do, it changes everything. Pray with me. God, we come before you tonight. God, we confess. We ask for forgiveness again. We, we know we're forgiven. We've, we've been learning about that. God, but we ask for forgiveness for not loving you extravagantly. We ask for forgiveness to not responding in the correct way. We ask for forgiveness for coming before you half-heartedly. We ask for forgiveness to responding like the Pharisee, just kind of going through the motions and kind of treating you shabbily sometimes. God, help us to be like the woman, the sinner. Uh, How ironic is it for us to say that? Help us to be like her because she got it. She didn't care. Your word says, he who is forgiven much loves much. God, help us remember how much we've been forgiven. There's not a single person in here who hasn't been forgiven much. Help us to live like her. Help us to walk in amongst our peers and other people and not care who's looking, who's watching, who's sneering at us. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is you and you alone. Help us to look like the woman. Help us to have that kind of love, Father. Help us to respond appropriately to your forgiveness. God has been worship you. Take this as an offering. Take this as a response for what you've done in our lives. We will not sit back idle for what you've done. You are a good God. You are a mighty God. And we are responding to you tonight. We give you all the praise, all the glory.